to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Beckham. And today on the show, we're talking about what would Andrew do differently if he was starting out again now? And this question actually comes from listener of the show. Of course, while we've been promoting our live podcast events that we're doing around the country, we've been asking people what we should actually be talking about during this. And I thought this was a really interesting question that had Andrew, if he was 19 again today and was starting out on an average income, what would he actually do to start and build a property portfolio. So Andrew, what would you do today? So some of the things, the fundamentals that I did at the start of my investing career, I would still do pretty much, but I'd be maybe a bit more cautious. I'd do a bit more research. I'd probably get stuck in a little bit earlier. I did overthink a lot when I first started investing because I kind of didn't have any guidance. There was no such thing as a podcast then. There was no such thing as an iPhone, Ed. Can you believe it? I don't even think you had colour TV back then. (laughs) We'd ride around on horses to see the open homes. And so, look, when I started out, just for anyone that doesn't know the background to my investing career, I did do renovations. Now, I would do that still because uh, this is on the basis that I didn't have my own house. And again, recent listeners will know I've only just bought my own house. So if I wasn't using equity that I'd already built up in my own house and or maybe a couple of investments, I know that you need to create that because without deposit or without equity, you can't do anything. So what I would probably do is I'd go and find houses in my own city. That's assuming that the city was in an upward trend, or I believed it was going to be an upward trend in the near future. So if I was in Christchurch, if I was in Auckland, I'd probably be doing this. If I was in Wellington, I probably would not be doing it, or I'd be doing it certainly a lot more cautiously. So if I was in Christchurch or Auckland, I would go out and I'd find some real mid-tier properties, maybe a little bit under, and I'd want things to be in that first home buyer's bracket. So I think that's 500000 for an existing property, five fifty for a new. So I'd probably be looking for stuff around the 400 mark if I were doing this in Christchurch. And in Auckland, I think it's 600 so I'd probably be looking around the 500 mark. And I'd only want projects that I could turn around quickly. So that was probably uh, some one of my learnings. So some of the projects that I was involved with, I had to settle and own for a long time and not have a lot of rent coming in while I renovated. So I've got interest around a mortgage, I've got renovation costs, the holding cost adds up quickly. So I would probably buy something, you know, in that 400, 500 bracket, depending if I was buying Christchurch or Auckland, I would find stuff that I could do cosmetic renovations to only. So uh, long-term listeners of the show, fans of the show will know Wilson's Road's always been the bane of my life. I wouldn't do that project again. So that was a lot of stuff where I actually completely renovated. We completely gutted that house to be able to turn it into a viable investment. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do a deal with my parents. And so uh, I'd put them on the streets rather than buy it off them and uh, and uh, so they can move out to Hallswell. He's looking at me. He knows I'm joking. So I would also try and do things a bit smarter in terms of the holding costs. So I'd probably look for houses which are either got a tenant in there where the lease is expiring and I can have a window between taking possession of the property so that I could get in and do a lot of the renovations in advance of actually purchasing it. Because that way it will eliminate your holding costs. You can get the optimum rent from day one. One thing that I wouldn't do, I wouldn't go and flip them. I wouldn't sell them because now with the way that transactions are caught up 
under the bright line test, you pay so much in tax and you've got a far higher risk of being tainted as a developer or a trader and therefore impacting on your future property investment portfolio. So there were properties that we sold. I wouldn't have done that. I would have just bought renovated and I'd probably want renovation costs around the kind of 10% mark, but I'd want to be doubling that renovation cost. That would be one of my criteria. So if I bought for 400, I'd be okay spending up to 40. I want that to be worth 480 or more once I'd done those renovations. And I'd hold on to those. I'd go back to the bank and I'd see if I could get the money to buy another property at that stage. And I would repeat that process. Then what I would do would be, once I'd built a substantial amount of equity, I'd start under maybe a model that would be more in line with what my investors do now. So buying new, better quality properties that are going to be in good growth zones and probably around the country, especially because I'd be probably buying a lot within my city. I'd probably look at outside of my city at that stage just to hedge my bets. And I would end up selling my older properties that have been renovated to pay down to move across to more newer properties as the uh, equity allowed me to do that. Now, one of the interesting things that I remember you saying to an investor just last week, Andrew, and you probably won't remember this, is that you've got to do the hard yards. And that might be, if you're starting out without a property, doing it through renovations or... And this was actually what you said to the investor. I think they might have been in their 40s or 50s. And they'd paid down a lot of their mortgage on their own home. And you said, you've got to do the hard yards. You either do renos or you guys have already done it because you've created equity through essentially saving by paying down your mortgage. So you've already got the equity in there. You've done the hard yards. And so you can take what is the easier option, or as you sometimes call it, the lazy investment option of going for newer rental properties. smart investment option. Jesus, I'm smart with some of these things I come out with. Like, the trouble is you don't remember them sometimes. <laughs> uh, I meant to take a pill for that, but I forget to take it. And so, yeah, certainly if you're an investor and you're starting out, but you've already done the hard yards, i.e. bought your own house and paid down your mortgage, I wouldn't be wasting my time with renovations then. Particularly if your agent stage is that you've got kids, you've got a life, you've got work, and you want to enjoy your weekends. If I were doing that, then I would do it completely different. I would go out and buy those decent quality rentals now and I would not overthink it. I'd just look at the numbers and I'd rinse and repeat and I'd do it as many times as I possibly could. That would be my strategy if I was already established as far as equity goes. If I was starting out and I was 19-year-old Andrew, then I would certainly do exactly what I've just told you. And I suppose in that instance, that's also because you have lower commitments when you're 19 and you have both the energy, the gumption and the lack of knowledge about what you don't know to be able to actually go ahead and do it as opposed to people who are perhaps more established have commitments and aren't able to do those late nights like I know you did when you were that age. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the other thing that I want to just mention as well, Andrew, is that we often talk about recycling of deposits. And I just want to note that it is a bit tougher to actually recycle a deposit now than it was previously. And the reason because of that is that properties are more expensive than they previously were. So you have to get more of a value uplift in your property in order to be able to pull the whole deposit out. And what I mean by that is in order to take out your total 20% deposit, you've got to have an uplift in the value of a property by 25% by your renos, right? Yes. So that's actually another really good point. So if I were doing it all again now, so I went mainstream bank, and this was back when banks would lend you 90 to 95% of the purchase price. So I would do 
95% said that I was going to live there, do 95% live there for a day and use my cash to do the renovations. Nowadays, you can't get that from a bank. So probably what I would do in that instance would be, I wouldn't be afraid to use non-bank lenders. And there are lots more non-bank lenders now than there used to be. I remember when I was a broker, when I originally started out, there was kind of only two non-bank lenders, Bluestone and Liberty. Now you've got a a raft of non-bank lenders or um, maybe even non-bank lenders that might do just an extra second mortgage or something like that. I would use more of those type of services, pay the extra, say, percent, because you you know you might pay 4% rather than 3%, but that's okay, and I would do it that way. Sometimes they talk about recycling being selling that property and taking out that money, but again, because of tax law changes, I certainly wouldn't be doing that. So I'd use non-back lenders would be my default because I would want to do this as quickly as possible so I could enter a bit more of a premium market if I knew what I knew today because I would want to, to become a lazy i.e. smart, and and hands-off investor as quickly as possible. Now, the interesting thing I just want to mention as well, coming back to the recycling point that we were just talking about, to put some numbers behind it. So if you are going to spend, including your renovation costs, 400k on a property, so we're talking about a really low-value property in, in Christchurch or cheap property in Christchurch, in order to be able to pull out that full 400k again from the bank, you've got to increase the property's value to 500k. So when you're leveraging it up to 80%, that's where you pull the 400k out again. Now, we usually work on a rule, and I want to get your opinion on this, is that if you're going to do a reno, that whatever you spend on the reno, you'll get that in terms of the equity uplift, right? I want double of that. But yeah, you'd want at least that. And so, and actually, when I said before I do more research, one thing that I didn't do back then was I didn't get a valuation based on completed value. I didn't get an opinion as to what those renovations were actually going to equate to. I would do a lot more of that because again, if I did a project and spent 50 grand and only had 50 grand uplift, it's just not worth doing. And just to put some numbers again for the listeners, so in terms of doubling your reno, we're talking about buying a property for 350 spending 50k on a reno, so I was all talking, up yeah, sorry, 400. I was talking 400 purchase price, 40 grand worth of reno, so 440 worth of money in, and I'd want it to be worth at least 480, but you wouldn't be recycling your deposit at 480. No, no, and so then you'd still need other sources of equity so, in that instance. Yeah, and so so again, you know, that point, like Ed points out, you're probably unlikely to have, you know, those expensive things called kids, and so you might be saving a bit more at that aging stage, so I be absolutely saving every last dollar that I possibly could. Fantastic. Or tapping into the bank of mum and dad at that instance. So there's kind of two pathways. If you already got your own house and a bit of equity in there, that's where you might start focusing on the newer properties. If you don't, then in that case, you're either going to have to save a deposit or tap into the bank of mum and dad in order to be able to buy an existing property and then renovate it. Have I got that right? You have. Fantastic. Let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, if you want to learn more about property with Andrew and I, why not come along to our in-person events? We're coming to Christchurch. We're coming to Wellington and Auckland. This is happening mid-September 15th, 16th and 17th. These are completely free. And at least in Christchurch, you're going to be able to drink the wine that Andrew's got in his hand right now. So tap or swipe over the cover art. You'll be able to click on the link and register for it there. Or just go to opuspartners.co.nz slash pod event. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. I'm Andrew Nichol. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time, 